Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Cedar and Cypress Podcast. I'm Liv. And I'm Allison. And we're here again. I'm back. I'm back in my home state. (laughs) I am no longer on the Pacific Northwest side (laughs) of the country. It was beautiful, though, I will say. I absolutely loved it over there. But I'm glad to be back at the same time. So have you ever been over there, by the way? You've been to like Washington oh, like over to the or West. Oregon? Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, well, not not up uh, in the North, but my both sets of grandparents used to live in California. So. Okay. Wait, what part? I honestly don't know because I was so young. I just knew I was oh, in okay. California. <laughs> I was just wondering if it was like North, South. I think it was different. So- but- I think it was South, like Southern California, but I'm. I okay. Be it's probably really nice that. then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was a good place. I liked it. 10 out of 10 recommend going to the middle of nowhere in the mountains in Washington. It's a good time. But yeah. So today we're going to be talking about Gnosticism. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this is kind of an age old heresy um, that we might not think affects our lives very much right now, um, but it actually does in a lot of ways. This heresy, um, while kind of broad and vague in a lot of ways, has kind of leaked into um, our culture and just how we define a lot of things today. Um, and even, you know, in the church, honestly, and just how we think of things sometimes, you know, and how we kind of categorize ourselves. Um, so we'll get more into that in a second here. But before we do, Allison, what was the best part of your week? Yeah, the best part of my week was Sunday. So it was two football games. We had a bunch of friends over for it's mostly Zach's friends or my husband's friends because um, I don't really have any friends who are super into football. But we watched the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys game and the Baltimore Ravens game. That was just really fun to have people over. If you watch football, you know, football games go on for like four hours. So it was like having everyone over for a full day. And I'm not that interested in the sport, but it was just super fun to have friends over, hang out. We all had pizza and yeah, just chilled for it was a really nice Sunday. So, yeah, that was probably the highlight of the week. That was like fun. Honestly, I love getting together with people watching football. It's always kind of fun. Like, I, I think this is the first year that I feel just slightly emotionally invested. Um, I feel like most of the time I'm not invested at all. Like I really, (laughs) no offense to anyone who loves football, but I just kind of don't care what's going on. Um, But I don't know why, for some reason this year, I'm just like, yes, like the Packers are my team and I'm invested. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Well, you know, my family is from Wisconsin and my husband, as well as his dad, and his sister actually now have like stock shares, which means that they're part of like the ownership of the Packers or whatever. Um, so I feel like if I wasn't like, yeah, go Packers, like I would be disowned from both my my immediate family and also my like in-laws yeah, <laughs> as well. That, that's so, like having nobody left. So it yeah, really that's probably is. a good call on your part. Yeah. But at least there's like harmony there, you know, like they're not fighting each other. That's pretty nice. So, yeah, yeah, I do think it's fun, though. Yeah. My husband's family are Baltimore Ravens fans. And then my family is from Colorado. So they're Denver Broncos fans. So there's a fun little rivalry there. Yeah. But it doesn't ever get too hostile. Don't worry, guys. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You can still be like unified as a family without it being (laughs) crazy. Some people can't, honestly. Some people are crazy about that. But I was telling uh, Allison when she came to visit 
um, me and my husband had her and her husband here for a couple of days. And I was <laughs> telling her that no offense, but if I haven't like heard of the team, they're probably not that good. <laughs> Is that what you said about the Broncos? The Ravens, and I was like, I've never heard of the Ravens. I was like, let me just say it this way because I'm someone who's not a fan of football, really. So, like, if I haven't heard of them, they're probably not very good. (laughs) They probably haven't been to like the Super Bowl very much. Yeah, I don't know. I I I don't think it's been that long. Although I'd have to look. Wait, not what really? I I I feel Uh, like when I think of football, the names that come to mind are like obviously the Packers. That's more of like a family thing. Yeah, Patriots, Steelers, like those are the names that come to my mind. The Bears, like I've never heard of the Ravens, but who are you talking about? They were last in the Super Bowl in 2013, so we were 13. Yeah, that's a long time ago, girl. I was not following football. That was a while. That is that's a long time ago. Now I realize it's 2022. That's too that's too long ago. We need to yeah, it is kind of long on that. Like almost 10 years. (laughs) We need to work on that, boys. Come on, get it together. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) anyways what was the best part of your week um well my little sister got married this week oh my gosh that was definitely the best part of my week um it was an absolutely beautiful wedding she was the perfect bride like just the most beautiful bride I've ever seen in my life um and yeah it was it was so beautiful obviously they got married up in the in the uh mountains in Washington And the place that they got married at was just absolutely picturesque. Basically her now husband's, which is crazy, um, grandma's property. So it was like in the middle of the mountains, there were like fields of cows in the distance. And there was just like a creek running through it. And there were willow trees everywhere. And it was just like absolutely beautiful. So um, yeah, it was perfect. And it was so good to see my family again and just get to spend some time with them and be all together. Um, my husband also officiated the wedding and that was his first time doing that. Yay. So that was really exciting to see as well. So, so cool. that was definitely my favorite part of the week. Oh man. Now I want to move to Washington. Yeah, honestly, we were talking about all just going in on a cabin together, like my brother, my sister-in-law, me and my husband. And then, you know, maybe now my sister and my new brother-in-law would also go in on it. We were like, let's just like get a cabin. We can fix it up. We can make it an Airbnb. So when we're not there, we can rent it out. And then whenever we want to stay in it, we can. I think it's a great investment. I'm just saying. That sounds like a good plan to me. Yes, definitely. Well, anyways, we should probably get into our topic for today. So like I said before, um, we're going to be talking about Gnosticism. So um, Gnosticism is kind of hard to define exactly, but its principles have been deceiving people since the first century. Um, So heresy may not be something you've studied in your life or something that you even heard of. Um, If you don't know, heresy is basically uh, when a truth is taken and twisted to the point of not being truth anymore. And honestly, the truth is that Gnosticism and its principles still permeate our culture today, just in ways that you might not see outright um, until they're kind of pointed out to you, which is what we're kind of going to do today. So um, this episode will basically just explain Gnosticism and then how it threatens Christians today as well. Yeah, so like we always like to start out with our definitions. So just with a quick little definition of Gnosticism from Bruce Shelley's Church History in Plain Language, 
Uh, quoting here, in the early church, the most ambitious attempt to reshape the gospel along these secret spiritual lines was Gnosticism. Gnosticism is an umbrella term used to def- identify a variety of movements, each one offering some way of enlightenment prescribed by a guru, a philosopher, a teacher who possessed the gnosis or knowledge of the way of life. This special knowledge of the spiritual world posed a major threat to apostolic Christianity. And a little later down the page, on 84, the basic belief of Gnostics was dualism. The ultimate deity could have no contact with the material. End quote. So Gnosticism really is a rejection of the material and physical world in favor of the spiritual. And again, like that definition was mentioning, it was typically spearheaded by an individual who would claim to have special special knowledge about the spiritual world or how to make contact with it or how to elevate yourself in some way, how to achieve enlightenment or some kind of self-actualization um, through ever, whatever practices they chose to use at the time. Because Gnosticism doesn't really have a set of practices or things they've always done, but it it has been undergirded by this idea that there's a spiritual realm, there's this way to become enlightened and that we need to reject the material world, reject um, just distance ourselves from it in favor of pursuing spiritual pursuits and elevating yourself spiritually. So one the reason why it was pretty a pretty big threat back in the first century is because a lot of that kind of sounded a little bit like Christianity because there's a lot in the Christian faith about um, growing in your spirituality, growing in your in your relationship with God and becoming more sanctified in the Holy Spirit. So there's been a lot of different ways that Gnosticism has kind of been tried to integrate with Christianity, and that's why it's such a major threat. Uh, but the truth is that the two things couldn't couldn't be more different because Christianity still recognizes and appreciates the physical and material world for what it was originally created to be and God created it good, which is what Genesis tells us. Um, We are the ones as broken people and fallen people who have have completed the actions that have resulted in the world being fallen and broken. So while Gnosticism hates the material, Christianity recognizes that it's broken, but it was originally created to be good. Is there anything that you wanted to add to that, Liv? Yeah, it's really interesting how, like, it seems like Gnosticism almost takes different principles from, like, different types of religions or spiritual views. Like, for instance, like, talking about kind of becoming enlightened or, like, transcendent in a way. Like, it, like, makes me think of, you know, like, Buddhism, for instance, like, which also kind of has that same mindset of, like, trying to be enlightened. But it's not that, you know, and then it also like takes from other things, it seems like. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that's I think because Gnosticism is kind of hard to define, it's this kind of ambiguous thing. I think that's why it is so dangerous, because it kind of takes these pieces of all the different things that it likes to be in a certain way at a certain age and then presents to the culture at that time. And it will even try to take Christian principles and integrate them. But that ends up disregarding the exclusivity of Christianity. So while it might have some things that echo Christianity, it's just not the truth in any way. Yeah, really, for yeah, sure. Really important to, to ignore. Yeah. And I mean, you might be listening to this and kind of just be like, well, why should we care? Like, why is that even important? Like, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, why does it matter for us to study and understand things like Gnosticism? But I think the thing is, is that it's present even when you don't see it or think it's there. Like we said before, it's kind of seeped into a lot of things and we might not realize it. Um, And it's something that we do have to be careful 
of um, and Gnosticism and dualism, which is a principle that it's pretty much kind of built upon are yeah. present in our culture today. And you may have even internalized them or unwittingly ascribed to their messages um, without even really knowing it. Um, like, for instance, do you believe that people can define their own truth or live the way they want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone? Like, that would be that's a tough one. Of, a lot of people I know that. that's definitely something a lot of people believe, right? But that's actually something that kind of could come from this mindset or this worldview. Um, or, you know, would you agree with the statement that people can alter their physical being to align with an inner truth or what they think to be an inner truth? Um, you know, what we would say is their truth, because that, again, is kind of a result of this mindset of dualism, um, you know, which is kind of Gnosticism at its core. Yeah, I also think something that's interesting about that inner truth idea is it comes back to that definition we read earlier about how someone can, will claim to have this special knowledge, whether about themselves or the world, and then you are then required to ascribe to it and to like accept it, whatever someone says they are, says they want to be, even though you're, you know that it's not true. And this goes for mm -hmm. a lot of things, but I think it really presents in our culture today because if someone claims to have this truth about themselves, then you are required to accept it. And yeah. We know that the Bible is what gives us our knowledge and helps us understand our world. There's no being or no person ever that's walked the earth besides Jesus who had any type of special special knowledge that you don't have access to by reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know for sure. Well, yeah, I think like even if we we don't necessarily believe these specific things ourselves, like we definitely know somebody who does. Um, or there are other like kind of more minute things like what you just talked about, like right. interpreting something um, wrongly just because you think that you have more of like a, a knowledge on the subject um, when really it's not what scripture is saying and you're taking it out of context. Like, I'm not saying that that's like being Gnostic, like that's being a Gnostic person, but it's right. like, it is kind of like on that, on that same level of like it's heading in that direction we definitely need to be careful of things like that for sure yeah and like you were saying it's still present today even though we don't necessarily see it or regard it for what it is so narcissism presents as that word you said earlier dualism in today's culture i, I think especially in the west i don't know if i could speak for the east because you know i don't live there but mm -hmm. there is a blatant disregard i feel like in our culture and there's just this visceral hatred for the material and we kind of has this have this a desire to rule over it and so you might say oh what do you mean america's super materialistic it's all about riches and getting wealth and things like that and what i mean by this visceral hatred for the materials not appreciating it for what it is and what god created it to be and desiring to rule over it so that could be that could present in you saying or having the idea that you want to be rich and like be super secure in your possessions but that could also be you hating your body or hating what you have or just hating your physical and um, material circumstances and wanting to change them so that they better align with who you feel like you are on the inside. And 
I think that that is a really dangerous thing because like I mentioned earlier, God created this world to be good. And even though we know we live in a broken world, we still as Christians need to have that appreciation that the material world was created for a reason and reflects a spiritual reality that we live in. So the physical has a lot to say and nature points us back to God in so many different ways. So for as long Mm -hmm. as we try to reject the material world and get away from it, we're going to be kind of missing a piece of the puzzle it's a spiritual puzzle if you will that kind of helps us that keeps us from understanding god and ourselves more fully so i recently read this book called love thy body by nancy piercy and that book its thesis is kind of propped up on this idea that dualism has resulted in just really bad outcomes especially for america so what she explains is that it has kind of left us with a moral wasteland when it comes to our approach to gender to sex to relationships to when we divorce material and physical from our spiritual reality and either decide to rule over it or get away from it we just really end up with a lot of confusion a lot of pain and hurt in our culture And um, just from page 10 of her book, she says, secular morality rests on a deep division that runs through all of Western thought and culture, one that blows apart the connection between scientific and moral knowledge. In the past, most civilizations held that reality consists of both the natural order and a moral order integrated into an overall unity. Um, Just sidebar right there, that's what we as Christians believe, that our natural and moral, moral order are things that are fully integrated to one spiritual reality that we have. Um, So Mm -hmm. she continues to say, therefore, our knowledge of reality was likewise thought to be a single unified system of truth, end quote. So you can understand how when you divorce these things from each other, you just get a lot of confusion. This idea that truth has kind of been divided into two different things. So you have your theological and moral side, and then you have your scientific on another side as if they're not the same thing. But we as Christians know that our God is a God of science and is also a God of spirit, our spiritual reality, who, you know, gives us our theological principles and our morality to live by. He rules over all that, not just half of it. So I think when you're ascribing to Gnosticism, you're ascribing to a God that doesn't really exist at all because, you know, our God, the living God, he rules over all of it. Mm hmm. Yeah, or at least like subscribing to a God that's only like partially the true God, yeah. you know, like it's like one or the other, like just science or like just theology and, you know, morality, whereas he's so much more than just those things. He's like all those combined in like a million things more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's definitely true. Like when we sever the bond between spiritual and physical, we fail to recognize that our material circumstances reflect our spiritual reality. Um, for example, our fallen world um, is broken and it's a representative of our spiritual posture and the brokenness of our hearts, um, you know, and the, bo- the broken state that we live in, um, when we come into this world, you know, yeah. spiritually speaking, when we live like the spiritual and physical realms are separated, we basically live half lives because we kind of live like only one of them exists, um, or we ignore the other one <laughs> while we're just trying to exist in one or the other or whatever. Um, basically we just like, don't let the spiritual affect us and the physical. And that can lead to a lot of really, I, I'm trying to think of like the words, like it kind of leads us to having no compassion. It leads us to not having an objective truth. Like it mm-hmm. leads us to a lot of different things in a lot of different categories. Mm-hmm. 
And basically we end up operating as if there's a special knowledge within each of us. Like we're the ones who define ourselves. Like we're the ones who also define truth. Um, And we should alter our bodies or material circumstances to make them match who we feel we are inside. Um, But honestly, this is an unbiblical approach to life because it leaves out the ultimate creator and truth. Um, Again, it kind of makes it so that we can create our own truth, um, which also kind of alludes to the fact that we think we have the power to do that. Um, and the right to do that as well, yeah. which honestly, only the power and right to do that are gods. Yeah, we have uh, neither. Neither. Exactly. <laughs> and like we even kind of see that in Genesis 1-1. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens yeah. and the earth. You know, we didn't do any of that. We're not responsible for creating anything. And in the same way, um, as far as truth is concerned, John 14, six says that Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. He didn't say like, I know the truth right. or I can tell you the objective truth. He said, I am the truth. Um, so, you know, we can always trust and we should always trust what the Bible says, even if we can't trust what the world um, tells us about truth and about who we are and about who God is, we can always go back to scripture to see what objective truth truly is. I love that you added that, that Jesus didn't say, I know the truth or I can point you to it. He's, I am the truth. That's yeah. just so powerful because I don't think that we really stop to think about that so much. I think that there's times I think we can think of Jesus kind of as just like a prophet or mm-hmm. just like, like a messenger. Someone- yeah, like someone who provided the truth. Yeah. But like in all reality, because he is God, like all truth stems from him, you know? Yeah. And it's really reassuring, I think, that that we know we have a God who created all of that and rules over all of that. So mm-hmm. it takes the pressure off of you to define yourself and to chase after things to to make it match what you want. Like if you're wanting to create your own truth in your career and you're wanting to go as far as possible and like make a lot of money and be successful, there's going to be so much pressure on you to get your circumstances to match that dream. Or I do think also if you struggle with mental health, there can be this pretty big split between what you experience on a day-to-day basis in your actual life and then what's going on in your head and mentally what's going on in your heart. Those can Mm -hmm. feel like such severed realities from each other. I've experienced that feeling where just my mental state is so, so different from what my actual life looks like. So I think we do experience this this severing of ourselves in a, in a lot of different ways or kind of living half lives in a lot of ways. And I think that ultimately just kind of stems back to, like I mentioned, it's kind of another God. It stems back to idolatry, this yeah. desire to rule our own lives, to be our own person, to operate without God and do whatever we want to do and just have fun, eat, drink, and be merry, and just have whatever mm-hmm. we want. We we just don't need any help with creating, you know, idols. Uh, John Calvin famously said the human heart is a perpetual idol factory. So we just, we don't need any help with something like Gnosticism to add to our confusion, to add to our ability to create idols. I mean, I, I feel like every single day we, we will struggle with that, whether we know we are or not. There's the idolatry of self, the idolatry of money, the idolatry of I mean, I don't know. There's a million different things. So many things. Add to the <laughs> list. And Gnosticism is just another one of them, I think, that it's kind of just like this fake God who doesn't exist that you're kind of pursuing, whether it's the individual who reports that idea. So whether it's like a cult leader or if it's um, 
I don't know, like, I guess some example could be to like celebrity pastors who, uh, who oh, preach yeah. the prosperity <laughs> gospel. There's a lot of different ways that kind of shows in our culture. Yeah. We basically just need to be careful of anyone who claims to have special knowledge in any way. Um, and that can really be anyone, honestly, that can even be people within our own churches, you know, yes. within our own congregations. Um, we really do have to be careful and to take everything back to scripture, just to make sure that this is what God is really saying. Um, cause really anyone can come up to you and say, Hey, God told me fill in the blank. Right. Um, and honestly, if what someone is telling you doesn't match up with scripture, you can kind of be assured that they're pulling that out of thin air. And like, that might not be like a bad intention on their part. Like they might not mean that in a way that like, um, you know, is supposed to harm you or lead you astray. Like they might really think that that is coming from God. But honestly, if it's just something that has like nothing to do with scripture or it like goes against scripture, you can definitely be assured that there's someone that is kind of taking that transcendence onto themselves and allowing themselves to tell other people that they know better than scripture, which mm-hmm. is very, very dangerous. And again, sometimes people don't even have that intention or they don't even know that they're doing that. But we still, as the listener, need to be careful when we hear things like that, um, just to always take it back to the source of truth. Second um, Peter 2, 1 through 3 warns us of false prophets. And it says, uh, but false prophets prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. It's like, Pretty eerie, honestly, when you think about it, especially when we know that this is in the New Testament. And so this still goes for today. Like, this isn't just like something that's like, well, that was a long time ago in an old covenant and it doesn't really apply anymore to the church. Like, no, this is speaking to the church, the early church in the time when Jesus had recently ascended. And this is also speaking to us today (laughs) under the same covenant um, and in the same time period, technically. So um, yeah, we definitely want to be to be careful. Yeah, although it is a little, well, actually a lot. It's a lot encouraging because I know that God carried them through this and they're mm-hmm. still, like, they're still here and our Christians are still yeah. here and we're experiencing that same thing. So something like Gnosticism is super important to be aware of, but it's not something we have to be afraid of, which right. is ultimately what we want to convey in this episode that there's going to always be false doctrines. It's going to be in the form of Gnosticism or something else, or it might be the prosperity gospel, which we should probably also do a full episode about. But there's going to be a lot of things that are thrown your way through, especially in this age of the internet. You're just going to see a lot of messages. You might hear something for your pastor you're not sure about. Like It happens all the time. We're constantly um, inundated with messages and with doctrines. And so we have to really have a moral compass and know whether those things are right and wrong. And this might be a little bit scary. You know, if you're someone who kind of struggles to recognize whether something is biblical or not, or whether it's right or wrong, and you're never really sure, there's a huge encouragement that you don't have to be tossed around by the crazy waves of society's ever-changing ideologies and messages. Um, You can always be ensured that studying the Bible and um, getting to know Jesus more is going to stir in your heart, love for him, love for good things, and a 
more a sensitivity and a hatred for evil things so that when you hear things right away, you're going to have that the Holy Spirit in you kind of tugging at your heart saying, that's not quite right. You should look into that a little bit more. I've definitely experienced this. And ultimately, we have to just be discerning and wise and unafraid of heresy and false doctrines because we know that like in the second Peter passage that God is going to destroy those things, that God is going to condemn those things and he's going to rule in perfect peace. Uh, so anything with the, that does not align with the Bible, we can rule out, we can disregard it, we can discard it, and we don't have to be afraid of it, which is why I know this sounds cliche, but this is why we have to know our Bibles. We have to be so intimately acquainted with what's in the Bible and the biblical narrative and who God is. Uh, Psalm 119.11 says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Once you understand the biblical narrative, once you have God's word stored in your heart or the basic principles and tenets of Christianity, they're firmly rooted in you. Your faith is going to grow like a tree. You're not, you're going to be able to know God's will. You'll have the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart. You'll be able to spot those heresies and false doctrines. Like I mentioned, the Holy Spirit, if you're sensitive to it, he's going to tug at your heart and he's going to help you kind of give a second look at things that don't feel quite right, um, you're going to be more sensitive to evil things and to deceiving messages. So if, if you're listening to this right now and you're like nervous and you're just not sure if you're going to be able to spot false doctrines, just know the best thing you can do is to keep reading your Bible and to keep learning more about God. You don't have to feel like you need to go out and study every false doctrine that's ever existed. That would take forever and ever. But as long as you're studying what is true, you're going to be able to always know what's not true. Yeah, for sure. I think like we definitely need to establish that we should never allow a person like a fallen, fallible human being to take mm -hmm. the place of God in communicating truth and good and morality, but especially truth, honestly, yeah. like <laughs> the first one, you know, and we shouldn't idolize people that, you know, are, are put on this earth to give us insight into scripture and into, um, you know, biblical knowledge and into truth. Like we shouldn't idolize those people or truly put our faith in them when our faith should be in Christ. Yeah. This includes like celebrity pastors, like we were talking about earlier. Honestly, I'm just going to say something kind of controversial Go for it. But if you are someone that listens to and takes in as truth, things from like Joel Osteen's church or Elevation or even Bethel sometimes, um, I would really encourage you to like hold those things up to scripture and to ask yourself if they're preaching more about you or Christ. I like, I'm not going to sit here and like tell people, you know, like this is right. And this is wrong mm -hmm. when like you could do the homework for yourself. And I actually think that you should. Um, I personally don't think that those churches are actually preaching a lot of truth. I think a lot of times it's more about like us than it is about God. Um, and I think that really tells you something mm -hmm. when you listen to a church and it's talking more about how we can, I mean, honestly, in more fluffy language, like how we can live our best lives and like be the best and get the best. And it's kind of saying those things, but like, packaging them in like biblical stories or themes. Yes. And it's like, that's not really like truth, to be honest. Like our lives are not about us. If you've listened to our other um, episodes, like we've definitely talked about this before, how like our lives are about Christ. They're not about us. It's not about, we're not the main character in this story. Like, you know, so just 
hold those things up to the light um, as in scripture. Um, I mean, yeah, because we can always admire like even sound great pastors, like ones that are like truly, um, you know, know the word of God, preach it in a way that is direct and Christ-centered. Like we can know all those things and we can admire their work um, and use it to learn more about theology, but everything you hear and read should still be held up to the light of God's word. Um, And in this practice, we become discerning and we gain wisdom by doing this over and over throughout our years. And that's part of the reason I say like, do it for yourself. Um, you know, like I have my opinions on the matter, <laughs> like, um, and I have also like looked into this myself, but I would encourage you to do the same just about, um, you know, anyone that you're l- listening to, um, when it comes to the word of God and that's not to be cynical, you know, like that's not to sit there and like pick apart everything someone says, but just to be discerning, um, just to be, you know, cautious and take things with a grain of salt. Um, and I think like once you build relationship with certain pastors too, like, you know, that you can trust what they say, um, but just to kind of hold those things up to God's word. Um, and I just wanted to point out a couple of places that the Bible talks about how we learn and grow over time, drawing a, a parallel illustration of how we transition from um, basically drinking milk as infants to eating solid foods as adults. Um, so in first Corinthians three, two, it says, I fed you with milk, not solid food for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready. Um, and then first Peter two, two says like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, you may grow up into salvation. And Hebrews 5, 12 through 13 says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Um, So basically just kind of drawing the parallel, like when you are a young Christian, you need milk. Whereas when you have matured, when you have been um, sanctified further and know Christ a little bit better, know the word of God a little bit better. That's when you start to get like the solid food. So we do grow, um, mm-hmm. as we're sanctified in Christ through our walk with him. Yeah. These verses are both an encouragement and a conviction. It's really interesting to be how that there's three separate places that the Bible uses this kind of weird, kind of uncomfortable parallel illustration, which is potentially three different authors, but likely two different authors, Paul, uh, in First Corinthians and Hebrews, and Peter in First Peter, uh, Hebrews, the author is not confirmed, but um, that's what many people believe. And so I think it's interesting that there's three different sections that um, both encourage and convict, because it's encouraging that um, God is going to help us learn over time, and we're going to become more sanctified over time. And it's okay if you don't know everything right off the bat. It is okay if it takes you time to learn. It is totally fine if in the past you have, you know, been kind of tossed and back and forth by the waves of culture and of maybe teachers who you are now realizing were not so sound of teachers. Uh, But it's also a conviction that we shouldn't always stay at the same place that we are at with our understanding of the Bible and our ability to combat false doctrines, that it's not okay for us to always stay as infants. Because in these passages, the authors are talking about how you eventually should be growing up in the faith to the point where you can consume solid food, get the benefits of the solid food, and that you don't, you should not be always staying within that uh, phase where you're just drinking milk and taking the super easy, um, taking in the super easy um, basic parts of 
Christianity, but you should be growing into the more complex doctrines and growing in your faith. And again, like I mentioned a little earlier, that really only comes from um, reading the Bible every single day and learning a little bit more about God as much as you can. Um, So yeah, eventually you're going to get there and it's okay if it takes time, but um, don't be satisfied to stay where you at or in your knowledge of God. Um, We should be as Christians always wanting to grow more in that. Yeah, for sure. Like seek growth, recognize like past faults, but at the same time, um, just know that like you can move forward from those things and truly trust the Lord and learn as you grow. Um, and he'll help you in that as well. Um, I'm trying to think of the verse that talks about like the work that God started in you, he will bring to completion. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What verse is that? Ah, okay. So Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, that's always been such a comforting verse for me, just knowing that um, no matter what happens um, in my life, no matter the times that I think I've backslidden or that I've done the wrong thing or gone down the wrong path, the fact that God is still leading me and that the work that he's began in me um, will truly be brought to completion and that no matter what, he will bring me home to him one day. Amen. and Amen. So if you get anything from this episode, we just want you to know to be careful of false doctrines like Gnosticism, be able to spot them where they present in culture, but also to not be afraid of them because we have the ultimate, uh, we have the ultimate measurement of what truth is and what goodness is. So that is what we have time for today. We hope you really enjoyed this episode and that it was educational and encouraging to you. And make sure to follow us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod. Or if you have any questions or want to suggest an episode topic, feel free to reach us at Cedar and Cypress Pod at gmail.com. And we will see you next time.